Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Feel yourself being quietly drawn by the deeper pull of what you truly love. Rumi. It's Rumi Fest here today. (laughs) We are hours away from Rumi's first birthday. And so today, a year ago, it was just as sunny and beautiful as it is here today in Kentucky. I was in labor, sort of, maybe, kind of. (laughs) It was a weird experience, as many of you know. I'm not going to rehash the whole tale, but I am going to blab, probably for myself, to... Hmm, not wrap up, but to comment on the journey so far. It's been a long year and a short year all at the same time. Mostly just feeling so infinitely grateful to wake up to my darling little boy next to me. His curly blonde hair and big blue eyes. He looks just like his dad, which is funny because none of the kids look like Jason, really. Well, that's not entirely true, but Rumi looks like Jason. My parents are visiting. Another topic. But my dad was laughing. He said, it looks like Jason has been shrunk down. Oh, wow, Raven. We'll let you finish that itching there. Dogs have joined me in my office today. They're kind of scared to come in. The one that was just itching is such a homebody. She like is freaked out by going anywhere really other than for walks. So she's not liking being here. But once she settles in, it's a nice quiet space. So that's a lot of things this morning. I do want to ramble about the one year anniversary of what was a very monumental experience for me. But first, an update First, all the things going on that do somehow tie back to it also being his birthday. Hmm. Always where to start. Again, I've received lots of emails the past few weeks just with women commenting and resonating with what's been put forth here. So I'm so glad if this feels resonant, feels useful, or if you just don't feel as alone. I think that is a very worthy reason for us all to commune in the ways that we do, is just to not feel alone. On that note, I am reminded that Midwife Monday is happening tomorrow, but I've changed the name. I'm hoping that the name change will entice more of you to come. Because not being alone, having a community of women, even virtually in circle, is so valuable. And I am so honored to continue hosting that. 
So if you don't know, Midwife Monday hasn't really been about birth talk a lot of the time. So for me, tomorrow won't be any different. It will just be what we've been doing, pulling cards, talking about whatever is going on in life, moon phases and such included, and then opening it up for topics and questions so people can come. It's on YouTube at the moment, YouTube Live, and you can comment if you're logged in, I believe. Let me know what questions you have, what topics. Thank goodness, thank goddess that women come and they do do that because I never have anything planned. It's not like a podcast, although it's like a live podcast in a sense. It's like a live Q&A. But I do think it has a very magical element to it. And to that, I thank the women that have been coming because I think having their presence consistently there from all over the world has made it energetically feel magical. It has made it feel like a circle, hence the name change. It's not just about birth. And that's really a lot of what Rumi's birth also taught me. Uh, There's so much more. And the birth lessons are the life lessons. So I do hope you'll come hang out. It's free on YouTube every week. And the time is Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. You can use the same link, indiebirth.org forward slash live at the time. And I'll see you there. Really, really fun to open up this circle and broaden the number of people, the number of women all over the world that want to be in community. I think it's just so beyond important right now. And that's definitely one thing I want to talk about. So on that note, virtual circles, real life circles, I'll talk more about this, I'm sure tomorrow on the live. But I was a part of a women's circle here in Kentucky very briefly. (laughs) So you might have missed it, right? Because I only went to one circle. And I was so honored to be invited. Because It isn't, or I don't think so. I don't think it's the kind of circle that, you know, is just public. Um, It's been going on for a while. So having a well-established circle is really cool because it means it's working, right, in whatever ways it needs to for that group of women. And yeah, I was just super honored to be invited by um, a very close person here. So I went last month to the inaugural circle. And it was nice. It was nice. Seems like super cool group of women. And I felt very welcomed by a new community. And I was excited. Although there was definitely a part of me that was super uncomfortable. And I'm not apologizing for that. But I left feeling a little like, oh, damn, Marin, like you need to change You know, if you're not comfortable in a group of women, what's wrong with you? And I am comfortable in groups of women, but I wasn't there entirely. And I was trying to make sense of it. And again, kind of beating myself up. I know I can lead a circle, but there was this sense of like, why can't I sit in the circle? Lo and behold, my intuition was right. Just about something not being on for me, not in alignment for me. It's not really a comment on the circle or the people there. But I also felt this sense of sadness around not having my sisters here. You know, I'm not someone that's ever 
had a million close friends. It's not the way I do it. It's not the way I've ever done it. And so upon leaving Arizona, I wasn't leaving tons of friends, but certainly a few, a few very close people. So just missing them and realizing at the same time that when you're a grown up, it's hard to make friends. So feeling this sense of obligation, this like self obligation to participate because it takes time and effort and you don't meet a friend overnight. That's not how it works. So the pressure was from me. Nobody really cared, I'm sure, if I continued on or not. T-stop here. It's very cold in my office this morning. and I don't want to turn the heat on. So I'm drinking tea. So anyway, I'm making this longer than it needs to be. But the circle is supposed to be tomorrow on Rumi's birthday. And again, I had already had these feelings. And that was part of it. Like, oh, damn, I don't want to miss his birthday. So I kind of rearranged my life for tomorrow. And it was just another check, you know, in the box of like non-alignment. And then receiving an email for it and seeing that it was going to be kind of complicated. Like, I'm glad if people have time for that. But I like things simple. I can sit in circle with two other people, you know, that are close. I can I can be in circle by myself. Uh, I don't need a lot of stuff. I don't need gadgets. I don't need dressing up. Like, that's just not me. And so... You know, the, the instructions were kind of complex. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know. This feels weird. <sighs> Listen to your gut. That's been one of my lessons along the way since Rumi's birth. You know how it feels. Don't engage in your head to make a choice. Feel it. Feel it. And it goes this way or it goes that way. So final straw with the women's circle was me reaching out to someone that lives, I think, close by to me and saying, hey, do you want a carpool? Because I don't know where I'm going. And fortunately, I'm going to choose the word fortunately rather than unfortunately. Fortunately, the response that came back was shocking, although it shouldn't be. The response that came back was, It's too dangerous to ride in a car together. There are germs, public health. And the person responding chose to reveal that they've had this shot and even some boosters. And yet they're still scared as hell to ride in a car with another person. It made me so sad. It made me so sad for this world. And so I couldn't deny the truth anymore. The truth of non-resonance, non-alignment, even when we really want it. We really want it, you know. And it's like making me feel teary right now. I don't know. What is that emotion? That emotion is, I think, a deep grief for the world we're in, for ourselves, you know. For these kind of like petty situations, honestly, that bring up something really deep this grief of separation. And so I don't even care what people do. You know, go get it. Don't get it. Get your booster. Don't get like whatever you want to do. But for God's sakes, there's still a choice. There's still a choice to live in love and fear no matter what. So 
maybe those things don't go together, you know, and, and that's the hunch, of course, that if people are choosing to poison themselves, uh, they're probably not of the highest vibration or a high vibration, but I don't even want to label that. I'm sure there are people that are exceptions that have all the reasons and live in joy and happiness having made that choice, you know? So it really wasn't like, oh, well, you've got this thing. I don't want to be around you. Although I could have easily pulled that one too. Like, hey, you don't want to ride in a car with me. Uh, I don't want to ride in a car with you. I didn't say that. But I did write a somewhat lengthy group email to the women's circle just saying, hey, thanks. Thank you for welcoming me. This is hard, but I have to listen to my own truth. I have to follow my own voice. I respect your choices, all of you, to do whatever is best for you. I totally trust that that is what is happening. I don't actually have a judgment, really, on that, but I will not live in fear, and I will not sit in circle with other women with that vibration going through us. I don't want to worry about that. Oh, am I too close? Am I sitting too close? Oh, we can't hug. No, not doing it. And that's not sisterhood to me. That's absolutely not. And I am blessed to have a couple people here who don't feel that way. And when we're together, that world doesn't exist. You know, we can be together. Kids are playing, sharing drinks. We're hugging. You have a sniffle. Okay, big deal. Sometimes people get sniffles, you know. So grateful for that and actually really grateful for the opportunity to step out, to release, to step away in perfect timing because I didn't need to go tomorrow. I didn't need to even like waste that time. I'm so glad that this became very clear, made the choice. And so this idea of release, and again, as I kind of weave Rumi's birth story, perhaps through some of this. Um, release. Like his birth taught me to release so much. And I talked about this last week when I talked about death and the birth process. Um, releasing control, not holding on. You know, what can we control? What can we not? Well, certainly we don't control a lot. And there is that element of birth we don't control. But then we do control our vibration we do control when we engage or step away. And again, this theme of release is so heavy. And by heavy, I don't mean uncomfortable or dark necessarily. I mean prominent. This is a prominent theme right now for many of us. So if you're feeling this, uh, get the weight off your shoulders is my humble, humble suggestion. Uh, it has felt so good. I felt an amazing sense of lightness yesterday after writing this email, not just because I don't have to show up tomorrow, but because I spoke my truth. And I knew going in that there were differing opinions in this circle, and I chose to wait for the chips to fall. And I'm glad I did for my own reasons. So this idea of release, it's been around for me for a couple of weeks now. We had the new moon last week, and that was the theme, new moon in Scorpio. At least that's kind of how it felt and manifested for me. But it's been continuing, so obviously we're not in that same moon phase still, but it's still happening. And I found myself deep in childhood stuff, 
um, deep, deep in childhood emotion, feeling it, living it, actually having it like physically manifest in my body in very uncomfortable ways. A huge amount of anger going along with that, you know. I think that's been another emotion just coming up in the most raw way, anger and digging deeper under that to, again, this like grief and sadness that, yes, it's the world. I do believe that, yes, we're being affected. Yes, we're carrying stuff that isn't ours per se, but I think it's also kicking our asses into peeling the layers down into what is ours. And it might be this lifetime, it might be other lifetimes, uh, but it's in there. You know, it's deep and dark and the external world is simply reflecting this all back to us. So that's where we all do have the responsibility. And that's where we are all unified in a sense, although certainly not everyone is seeing it that way. Many people seeing it as this external you know, this virus out to kill you, but really what's what's going to get us possibly in the end if we don't address it is our internal turmoil, our internal non, um, you know, the parts that have not been worked in yet. What's the word I'm looking for? Processed. So yeah, it's all one and the same you know, the, the women's circle. And I don't know what the future of that circle is. Of course, I'm not a part of it anymore. I wasn't a part of it for more than one day, really. Um, I don't know. I mean, my hunch is that there is a falling apartness that may happen there and it may not. But there's something definitely happening here. You know, I talked talked many months ago about the reality splitting and and lots of people resonated with that and and lots of people were like what that's crazy um but I still believe it I I still think we are talking about vibrations and different vibrations not working together just like in a music piece you know you can't just slap two pieces of music together and make it work it doesn't happen that way. They're each fine on their own, but they don't combine. And that is, I think, essentially what we're feeling right now in the world. And these hard places, these hard times within ourselves, within our own bodies, which I know so many people are experiencing, I am really, really trying my best to view it as a gift. It is an absolute gift, whatever you're experiencing right now in your body, because it is challenging you to go within. And be in the dark, you know, dark night of the soul. Um, I feel like that's what I'm into. So you're not alone. Do the good work. Stay connected. Stay present. Stay present for what's coming up. Um, let's try our best to feel it and not solve it with our heads. Let's try our best to do what's best for ourselves without care for other people's reactions let's keep going. Let's keep going down this dark path. Uh, Perhaps the seasons of the earth will assist us in the shift to light soon in another, you know, month or so. Uh, When solstice rolls around, we'll see, right? I mean, I think so. It happens every year this way, although this is a particularly dark night of the soul this year. But again, gratitude for the superpowers that will expose themselves within your own self, your own body when the light is shown on them. I'm reading this book. I don't remember the name. I'm terrible at names, but it's essentially a a young adult book. 
my daughter Tallulah passed it on. And it's about magic. It's about magic being punishable by death in this fictional kingdom, which of course is not fictional in a lot of ways and sort of amazing how this author has gotten away with writing this book for children, essentially, um, about how magic is so misunderstood. It's really good. Anyway, uh, last night I was reading before bed and these children in the book, these teens, they don't know that they're magical. They have these superpowers that seem really scary and undesirable. And of course, they've been punished and all kinds of terrible things have happened to them because they don't understand their power. And it very much physically manifests in some of them. So the one boy is fire, which is also appropriate to this conversation today, I think. So much, so much fire, so much like burning it down right now. (laughs) But this poor kid is literally carrying fire, everything he touches, right? And so the kind of like fairy leader, um, the teacher who finds him says, you don't know, but that is a gift. This thing that you've hated, you feared the most, you thought made you totally not just weird, but like unable to be in normal society and has caused what you think is so many problems and destruction. Um, In that lies your gift. And so the same is true. Whatever you're experiencing right now, I'm on a million different tangents here, but this whole vision thing I've been sharing with you, that of course is part of it. Like that's been coming up. And behind that, it's like there's a frozen iceberg and, you know, that's your, that's your physical manifestation right now of whatever is happening for you. That's uncomfortable, undesirable, whatever. Um, Breaking that ice through feeling and processing and all of these things is going to reveal the treasure underneath. So it's another great reason to not give your power away about your health, um, to not inject your body with poisonous substances, to take utmost care of your physical health and your emotional and spiritual health, of course, and love, love the body you're in, love this vehicle that is getting your soul through this life and laugh you know, laugh too. I I laughed yesterday about the ridiculousness of some, some things my body is showing me here, especially with my parents, right? It's no accident. Timing is no accident. They've come to visit this weekend, kind of at like this dark point of some evolutionary stuff I'm working through and they're bringing it out, like bring it on, bring it on and remember to breathe. So that's the update. It's a little somber today, but uh, it's also really real, I promise. It's very real. This is my life right now. And I love it. Might be a weird life, but I love it. So feeling all of these things, again, timing is no accident. Feeling them today when Rumi was still in my body. I looked at him this morning and I said, a year ago, you were still in there. What were you doing? And he's smiling and laughing with all his little teeth. And, you know, it's just so crazy. Like, how? 
I really rejected the idea this morning of making some kind of list. You know, sometimes it's great to make lists. I did journal as I always do, but it wasn't anything list related, as sometimes I've shared with you here. And my brain wanted to. My brain wanted to say, like, what are the results of this massive experience? Let's quantify them. Let's put it down on paper and share with the world. But I realized I just can't do that about his birth. I've talked so much about it in the last year, so this would be more for you very loyal listeners, right? Because you know that I mention it almost every podcast. Somehow it's come up as like, oh yeah, and Rumi's birth, and this happened, or this is how I felt, or this is now. You know, this is why we're in Kentucky. Does that sound crazy? Well, it's not. A year ago today was the beginning of the end in a lot of ways. It was the beginning of that chapter that has me sitting here in a different state, in a different culture, in a different climate. Honestly, I feel like I'm on a different planet a lot of the days. So that was the instigation for massive change and massive personal change. I don't feel like the same person. I look at photos. His birth photos are really cool. And I'm like, who is that? It doesn't make sense to me on a feeling level. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I was simply just the vehicle for him to get here in whatever way he needed to. Like, that's how my eyes see the photos now. I don't remember in a way parts of it like... Yes, I talked about the pain and the death last week. So I obviously do remember. But when I look at the photos, I don't think, wow, like you worked so hard to get him here. I think, wow, you were just the vehicle for him. And your vehicle had a little trouble getting him out. But it is his story. There is no regret. There really isn't. It's so strange. It took me way longer to process and get over Rune's birth 12 years, almost 13 years ago. He was our baby that was born at home and then airlifted. That was really traumatic. I had given away my power and... I couldn't get it back in this sense, you know, it just took time. But Rumi's birth was all me. I was living this practice of my own power, my own ability to create. And so even though in some moments it felt like just being a vehicle for him, It also felt like a powerful manifestation on my own and in harmony with him and what he needed. And so much more, so much more like my ancestors and past lives and other dimensions. There was was so much that came together for him to manifest Earthside. 
And I do it all over again. I would, of course, I think. I think most mothers would say that no matter what their experience, right? If your child is here and they're healthy and thriving, you're grateful. And there's a part of you that would definitely do it again. But I guess important to me is that I wouldn't change the story. I wouldn't. I've had so many, you know, in the sense of like birth, perfection, so many stories that by anybody's accounts and my own, were so absolutely picture perfect, so textbook, so textbook. So I'm so grateful that I've had so many babies, that I've had so many births. Um, If Rumi's birth had been my only, I don't know. I might feel differently for sure. I might feel all the regrets and, oh, it could have been or it should have been or what if it had been? But... I don't feel that way. I think it was perfect. Everything, everything. It taught me so much about birth, about life, about death. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Like I got this crazy experience of essentially having a free birth in the hospital. So if you're totally new to this story, of course, you can go read it. It's called The Time I Had a Free Birth at the Hospital the indie birth of Rumi soul. And I'll probably link it, but it really was so incredible. Like I just went in there and did my thing. And even in these COVID times, nobody said anything, did anything, touched anything, made any comments, nothing at all. And we were home within, I don't know, an hour and a half, I think two hours of Rumi being born at his most magical time of 3.33 a.m. I was looking back at journals this morning just to see where I was at this point last year. I'm sure I had written stuff down and, you know, kind of got carried away reading the journal at different phases. And upon reading the processing of his birth with my mentor, she had said to me, close the door, you know, and that was hard to do at the time, you know, within a week of his birth. I wasn't ready to close the door yet. It was a lot of sadness in in some ways, you know, a lot of tears, a lot of regret and and shame even around how how could this have happened to me, you know? And what did I do to make this happen and just sort of all the the more victimy thoughts. Um so I wasn't ready to close that door then. But I think her advice is sound and has proven to be close the door. Remain open to the wisdom, were her words. And so the wisdom keeps coming. That we do create our realities. Rumi and I very strongly created a bubble around us. It was not the Verde Valley Hospital as I know it. It was not. I have been there many times with other women. It has been hard. We created our own reality bubble, much like Rumi did a couple of weeks ago in the airport when visiting Margot. Totally remained untouched outside of whatever vibration that is, you know, in that world. So Rumi's really great at systems and navigating that and 
just vibrating where he wants to be. It's not even a choice. I don't think he just is. So what a gift, what a crazy gift, what a great story. Uh, I'm going to enjoy reading it tomorrow. I'll probably shed some tears just because, right? The first birthday is so meaningful to the mother. I mean, they all are, but there's something about the first, I think, where you really relive it. And last night I was up quite a bit in the night, as I sometimes am lately, but I knew it was because last night uh, was the night that my waters opened and I was in labor. I was in labor from 10 a 10 p.m. till about 4 a.m. when I called Margo over, very sure that this baby was coming out pretty much any minute. And then it all just quit. So I was actively in labor last night, even though, you know, today I would have just been sort of sitting around contracting randomly. But I was up last night just kind of like relishing the strangeness of it all and certainly having some gratitude that I wasn't really in labor again because that part was fine. Um, But I didn't know the road ahead. You know, I didn't know that he wouldn't come out then and that it would be a whole other 24 hours. So ignorance is bliss or, you know, not having the gift of maybe foresight is certainly a gift sometimes. So I was feeling that all in the night. And as I go through the day today, I'm sure I'll continue to have memories and such pop up. Um, I had my chiropractor come over a bunch who, you know, is still in Sedona. So I won't be seeing her today, but just things like that where it felt like we were all a little bit confused. Uh, Not many people are having a 10th baby, to be honest. So there was this feeling of being in uncharted territory, even for me. I think I've attended a couple births of grand, grand multips, which is what someone like me is considered. Um, But, you know, not enough, not enough to say I've seen this. It was very strange. It was very strange, but yet made perfect sense. And I'm sure I'll learn more from Rumi as he grows around his side or maybe what he was feeling or or what he intended. Hmm. So let's see what else. It was also the beginning of a new identity, not just for me, but also for Jason, believe it or not. I think it's funny, as I mentioned, that Rumi and Jason look so much alike. They have a connection for sure. They did in the womb, and it was super strong. And Rumi's birth just kind of blew us both apart, as I've said. I've never seen him, Jason, like that just kind of in his body. Uh, Obviously, he didn't experience the birth himself, but being witness to it, having this be his son, really changed him in ways that, again, neither of us knew at the time. We were just kind of in it, trying to rebuild. And of course, part of that led to the destruction the burning down of the old way of life, the way we were living in Sedona, and this moving on to this totally different thing we're doing here. Um, 
I think working at being self-sustainable is also an internal process. And that's something his birth brought up for us, which is we didn't want to keep on living the way we were. We wanted to have some stability with food, with water, you know, with all the external ways that we can take care of ourselves that we give up, you know. So the list is long and we all are somewhere on the list, I think, of ways that we're still engaged with allowing other people to dictate how we run our lives. And that might sound extreme, but if we're relying on food on the shelf of a grocery store, yes, we can have gratitude for that. But to me, the reality became a dependency on the system in a way that doesn't really feel aligned. So believe me, we are still doing that. (laughs) We still buy food from the store. Um, I'm just saying the vision has changed and the intentions have changed for us to, you know, grow our chicken flock and to have crops and plants and herbs growing within the next year or two. Of course, to manifest this retreat center and have that be self-sustainable, you know, to be equipped with water, not be depending on anybody or anything for that. So, you know, these were all thoughts we had, but we were kind of plummeted into the depths of ourselves in a way, knowing that the only way our lives could change is if we created them that way. It was powerful. And I think Rumi was so huge in that. One little anecdotal story I don't know if I've shared, honestly, is we were looking for houses to buy when I was pregnant with him. And we got fairly close to buying one in Sedona and it completely fell through. And it was very upsetting, of course, at the time. It felt horrible. It felt, you know, like we'd never find anything, all of the stuff, especially being pregnant. It was just really hard. And I wrote in my journal that Rumi had protected us from that happening. And it was sort of stream of consciousness. You know, I went back and read it or integrated it and thought, what do I mean protecting us? But he was, he was like, that was all him too, is just blocking, blocking that because I think he knew, you know, he knew in in all his wisdom that that wasn't the life we wanted. That wasn't the life we were meant to live. Um, It was a fancy house, you know, in a development HOA. It was not us. Like, what were we even thinking? But it was an unconsciousness. So if I could highlight the changes, you know, with his birth, at risk of sounding like, you know, I think it made me a guru or something. I don't necessarily think that, but I do think it upgraded our awareness and our own consciousness and our own inner vibration. I think it did. We just weren't the same after that and our lives couldn't be the same. And even our location and our house and our, our surroundings couldn't be the same. So again, this is all in hindsight, of course, just a year, just 12 months. That's all. That's all it's been with all the changes we've had and uprooted and moved to Kentucky and been there almost five months now with a completely different life, completely different focus, completely different community and friends, 
um, a new ability, I think, to speak our truth, both of us. Not that we were afraid to before, but just going for it, just going for it and living it and knowing that we are each responsible for our own happiness, no matter what's going on. It really is a choice. And I realized that just so concretely the other day, you know, it's like if you're waiting for it all to be okay, for it all to be right, for this to happen, for you to have this, for whatever, uh, you'll be waiting a long time. You'll be waiting a long time because we have so much, you know, and we have so much more in a sense than we had, like so much more to be grateful for. And in those moments where I still feel like I'm waiting, I really have to catch myself like, no, it's now. That's the lesson, right? And that's the lesson of birth. Like it's, it's now, (laughs) it's now take it or leave it. It is what it is. Um, Absorb the wisdom and just relish the chance to grow in your own ways at the same time that another human force is coming through you. It really defies all description. That's my sharing for today on this happy Sunday. We're going to go to the park, spend time with all the kids. Everyone will kiss and hug Rumi even more than they do. It's kind of ridiculous how much love this little baby gets. Constantly kissed by his siblings and told how wonderful he is. And oh my gosh, I would have been, you know, sort of horrified in a sense, and I mean this in a funny way, if anyone had told me we would call this beautiful roomy child Bubba, but we totally do. We're, we're real Southerners now or something, uh, but he's Bubba to a lot of them because he's just like this fat, happy, adorable little thing. And that's just very comical. So here's to many, many more years um, and a healthy lifetime long lifetime of wisdom and love and joy for this human that we know as Rumi soul on this plane. So many blessings to to him and to the universe and and to all the the forces that are us but beyond our description uh, that unify us here on this plane to allow us these opportunities to live in joy and togetherness in this human experience. Mm, Happy birthday, Rumi soul. All right, everybody. I really appreciate you holding space for me and I'll see you next week. Oh, I'd love to see you tomorrow. Don't forget moon circle time, 3 p.m. Eastern on Mondays, indiebirth.org forward slash live. Have a beautiful week.